to the Prophecy Club. I've got my PowerPoint open, and I'm going to be going through that PowerPoint, and this is going to be one of the talks that I'm going to be giving at the Evansville uh, End Times Conference uh, called the Understanding End Times Conference, and you can sign up for it at endtimesconference.com. And you may be saying, well, why would I be doing that? Well, because there's no way I'm going to be able to give all of the information that is in my new book, and so I'm going to start it because we're going to spend several broadcast getting through this. Now, you may be also asking, well, if your book is not printed, shouldn't you wait until it's printed to start talking about it? Yeah, well, I suppose so. But on the other hand, I'm excited about this information, so I'm going to bring it to you. But we'll come back and talk about it another time anyway. And I think once you understand what is in my new book, you're going to have to get a whole bunch of them handed around also. Uh, it's very, very different from the first book. Okay, first of all, let's talk about my first book. Now, this is called The Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy. In case you haven't heard, the story was in 2017, I started memorizing the book of Revelation. I didn't think there was anything special about it, but all of a sudden I began to get revelations. And matter of fact, I got 30 revelations, two visions, and one audible voice, which are now written in this book. And essentially, God showed me first fruits is actually a secret word, a secret door found in both Revelation and Leviticus, which links them together, and it ties the feasts of the Old Testament to the prophecies in Revelation. Now, see, the book of Revelation, people have been wanting to know for years where things fit. Does this go first? Does this go second? Or what is next? And what order does it go? I mean, some people thought that it was like the feasts and the trumpets and the seals. They thought that they played 1 through 21. Other people thought that, well, no, it's a layered cake. As a matter of fact, this is where I was. I thought like the first seal, the first trumpet, and the first vial all played on about or around the same time or about the same year. That's wrong, too. Well, all of that is explained in this new book. Now, here's the surprising part. Even though I've been studying prophecy for 40 years, doing a radio and TV program on it for over 25 years, and you had a thought that I'd have known all of this stuff, but here's the surprise. Everything in this book, I'm, I'm going to make this very bold statement. Everything in this book was totally new to me. And I think, I know this sounds arrogant. I'm sorry. I don't mean for it to be arrogant. Uh, God knows the truth, but I don't think anybody on the globe has been given the information in this book. I think it's all new information. Why? Because Stan is something special? No. Because Prophecy Club is something special? No. I think it's for one reason. I think it's because we are about to go into the tribulation, and God in his infinite wisdom is releasing additional information in these last days, and I don't think I'm the only one he's releasing. I think you're going to start hearing a lot of other people getting a lot of in time, well, miracles, miracles like we've never seen. We're moving into a different time. But here's the point. I admit openly that I knew nothing of what was revealed in this book before I started memorizing the book of Revelation. I didn't know any of this, nothing. That's shocking. One prophetic word said it this way. There's a lock that I put over a word in the book of Revelation, and I'm going to open it to you. It will turn many books written on the end-time message into obsolete books. That's this book. And you can get it at prophecyclub.com. This particular book is ready and available. One for $20. Don't do that. 
Get at least five for 30 or 10 for 55 or a case of 60 of them for $250. Get your whole church hold uh, a copy of them. Why? Because when you read it, you're going to start handing it around. Nobody has this information. No one. No one. I've All the emails I've got, people have read the book, uh, which, by the way, I, <laughs> they all like it. Uh, not a one of them has said, oh, yeah, no, no, I knew this. No, no, I, I, I knew, already knew all this. Not, not a one. I recommend you go to prophecyclub.com and get that. Now let's talk about the new book. And this first time I've talked about this new book, and uh, it's exactly, uh, well, I shouldn't say exactly the opposite. But the first book, Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy, is written to the church to help them to understand Bible prophecy. The second book is written to the unchurched. Those people out there that maybe never even heard of the Bible, never even heard of Jesus, they don't know anything about the Bible, don't care don't know anything about the Bible, they don't know about the end times, they don't know about the mark of the beast, they don't know about the tribulation, they don't know, they don't know, they don't know, no, 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 they don't know nothing. They're a blank sheet of paper. This book is designed and written so you can hand them this small, thin, apparently it's going to be, I, th- I think, easy to read. Uh, you know, Secret Door is, it's deep. It's not complicated. It's not difficult. These are what comments people say about it, but it is deep. It's a lot of information. That's not this book. Miss the Mark. That's what it's called. Miss the Mark is actually a simple book. It's short. It's designed to be so that when you hand it to someone, they can say, oh, I can read through this in an hour. And if they're a pretty good reader, they probably can. But this little book is very powerful. It's got some information in, I'm going to say again, information that no one has about the last days. So here's what happened. I started getting this information. I started making a PowerPoint on it. I started putting it into a Word document. I started researching it. And I started talking to Leslie about it. And then Leslie had this dream. And, of course, when if you're at the conference, then you're going to be able to see what she wrote. But she had a dream. And she said, I saw like a target on the left side, and then I saw on the right side of the front of the cover of the book. God actually showed her the name of the book and also what the cover was supposed to look like. And it's basically an open Bible that had like light and letters flying out of the, the Bible. And the it's as if someone has shot an arrow and it missed the target, but it hit the center of the Bible. The name of the book is called Miss the Mark, and it's subtitled Don't Take the Mark of the Beast. This book is designed for you to hand to people, and oh my goodness, there's a lot of them, just about, sad to say, even Americans out there, most of them don't know anything about the end times, or Revelation, or the Tribulation, or none of this, and don't want to. However, I will say, if there's anything outside the Bible having to do with Bible prophecy that the average person on the street has heard about, it is the mark of the beast. So that gives a little bit edge, but this book is designed to be able to hand to anybody of any faith, any if they can read English, and that's another thing, we're probably going to be translating this book and possibly the other one too into some other languages, but that's down the road. Anyway, it's designed to be handed to someone that is not a Christian, doesn't know the Bible, doesn't want to know, but they can read this. And when they get done reading this little short book, probably about 68 pages, they will never, ever, 
ever take the mark of the beast and they will understand the mark of the beast and they'll be able to spot the beast, spot the mark of the beast. They'll understand all of this and probably they'll get saved over it. And yes, there's an opportunity in them for them to receive Jesus in the book, but it will probably send them into reading the book of Revelation and then, of course, into the rest of the Bible. Now, I've got some possible prices here, but I think since I've not even got the book even to the printer yet, and it takes about three weeks after I send it there. Uh, in other words, it's going to be about four weeks before books actually hit. I'm probably going to not even mention the prices. We'll just forego that for now. But just understand, if you have people that you know that don't know about the end times, they don't know about the mark of the beast, or even if they've heard about you know 666 mark of the beast, but they don't really understand what it is, this book could save their eternal soul. Very, very powerful. Okay, so first of all, I've got a couple of things I have to cover before I actually get into, into the talk. Now, this is, I'm probably going to have about two hours for this talk. And so this is the first thing I'm going to reveal. And this is all new information. And I've talked to oh, four or five people about this. And no one has ever thought of this before. And to tell you the truth, it's another one of those revelations. I have to tell you, I did not, three weeks ago, I did not know what I'm about to tell you. I didn't know it. Everybody, when they get into studying Bible prophecy, one of the first things they have to understand is, am I going to go through it? And am I going to die? Or is it going to be a rapture? How's that all going to work? Okay, so let me say it this way. Just about everyone that is saved is trusting Jesus for two of three things. Two of three things. But that third thing that many of them are not trusting Jesus for is the very thing that they have to trust him for in the last days. So here's what I'm talking about. If I were in a group of people, and probably this is what I'll do, and this is probably going to be my talk this coming Sunday morning, I would probably say, how many of you in here trust Jesus with your eternity? In other words, you do believe that he is able to write your name in the book of life. He is able to resurrect you. He is able to give you eternal life. If you believe in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. So the first question is, do you believe Jesus? Do you trust Jesus that he's really going to protect you and give you eternal life? Do you really believe that? Those of you that have accepted him. Of course, as you can imagine, in a group of Christians, almost every hand will go up. If we see hands that don't go up, that tells me some things that we need to do at the end of the talk. Second thing is, how many of you trust Jesus with your day-to-day -day life? I mean, the life that you currently live. You trust him to protect you, to guide you, to bless you, maybe to give you raises or promotions or to speak to you, give you dreams. How many of you trust Jesus to walk with you every day? Remember, he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. How many of you trust Jesus for your daily life? And of course, again, most of the hands are going to go up. I'm going to say, all right, now the third thing is this. How many of you trust Jesus? Now, hang on. Don't make any decisions before I finish my sentence here. How many of you trust Jesus in your death? Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Deuteronomy 32, 39 says, I kill, I make alive. I wound, I heal, and neither the, is there anything that can deliver out of my hand. Then Revelation 1.18 says that I have the keys of hell and death. So do you believe that Jesus decides who goes to heaven, who goes to hell, 
who lives, who dies, and when they die. In other words, do you believe that Jesus has the power to not only protect you in your life, to deliver you eternal life in the hereafter, but can you also trust him for your death? Now, here's what I mean. In other words, he says that he will never leave us nor forsake us. That also includes in death. In other words, can we trust him in our death? Now, here's the scriptures I want to give you to explain. First Corinthians 10, 13 says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not, listen carefully, will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. What's that saying? He's saying, I'm going to protect you not only in life, but is he not also saying I'm going to, during the test, and that's what the tribulation is, I'm not going to test you to failure. I'm not going to let you fail. I'm not going to test you to the point to where you would lose your salvation, to where you would buckle and fold and give up Jesus. I'm not going to test you to the point that you cannot with the same way, make a way to escape. That means that we can trust him in our death. And if you think about that for a second, that's the reason people have to grab onto a pre-trib or a mid-trib or a pre-wrath rapture that are not scripturally accurate. It's just not right. And the reason is because some of us just can't face the fact that we could be tested or tortured or something beyond what we're capable of handling. But I'm saying to you, brothers and sisters, for us to do as prophecy teachers what we're supposed to do, to walk in miracles like we're supposed to walk in the last days, and even if we're just a normal Christian, maybe God has not and is not going to call us into any special service to him in the ministry, still we have to understand he is not going to put us into anything that we can't handle. He's not going to do that. He is going to be with us, see that we are not tempted above that we are able, but with the temptation, also make a way to escape. Meaning, we don't have to worry about our death. We can trust Jesus in our life. We can trust Jesus with our eternity. And we can trust Jesus with our death. We don't have to think that there is a pre-trib rapture that is going to jerk us in the sky so we don't have to go through any testing. Everybody's going to have to be tested. Revelation 18.4 says, And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people. Now, this is talking about American Christians who live in America, in my opinion, and is confirmed by the angel that talked to Demetri. Come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins, and that receive not of her plagues. Let me say it again. Listen carefully. Is this not saying... If you're living a clean life, if you're walking and talking with Jesus, if you're being the kind of Christian you're supposed to be, then is this not saying he is going to protect us in the trouble ahead? I believe it's exactly what it's saying. And I think he's saying, look, you got to trust me with your death. You got to trust me. You have to trust me. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there to provide and protect today. I'm going to be there to write your name in the book of life, to confess your name before my Father and his holy angels. I'm going to be there to give you crowns and rewards and wedding garments and garments and blessings. I'm going to be there. But you also have to trust me that I'm going to be with you in death. I know exactly where, 
exactly when it's going to happen, it's all in my hand. Trust me with your death. It's saying, come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins, and you receive not of her plagues, that you receive not of her plagues. Meaning, if we are walking the right kind of Christian life, we don't have to worry about the tribulation. We can't count on a pre-trib, mid-trib, pre-wrath rapture. We cannot count that at some point Jesus is going to suck us in the air and we don't have to go through any trouble. But i tell you what we can trust. We can trust the word. Now let me give you another one, Luke 12. Luke 12, we're going to start at verse 22. And he said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, neither for the body, what you shall put on. Now I'm going to skip some verses. Consider the lilies, how they grow, how they toil not, spin not. Yet I say to you that Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothed the grass, which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? O ye of little faith, is Jesus not saying, I'm going to take care of you in the today? And is he not also then saying he's going to take care of us in the future, in the eternity? And is he not also saying, I'm going to take care of you in your death? Let's go on. And seek not ye what ye shall eat, what ye shall drink, neither be of doubtful mind. Oh, Stan, you don't understand. This was written 2,000 years ago. This was written in the days of Jesus. This was for the first century Christians. This is for the Christians of the past. This is not for the Christians for the tribulation. Oh, yes, it is. It is for us. It is a guarantee. It's a promise. And I can even say, especially for those about to enter into the tribulation. Verse 30. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things, but rather seek ye the kingdom of God. That's the key. If we are walking and talking with God, if we are seeking the kingdom of God, then he is going to protect us. That's what the scriptures are saying. Now, it's not going to be a pre-trib rapture. We're not going to get sucked in the clouds, but he is guaranteeing he is going to protect us. He is not going to let us fail and falter and crumble and buckle in a time of testing, he's just not going to let it. He's not going to do it. Now, yes, there are some whose names are not written in the book of life, and they will take the mark. And there are Christians that now claim the name of Jesus. And yes, they will take the mark. They will lose their salvation. But if we look what it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell that you have. Give alms, provide yourselves bags, which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not. He's saying, I will be there. Next verse says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Is your treasure in this world and the things of this world? If it is, then yeah, probably should be concerned. But if you're walking to talk with Jesus, if your heart is to build his kingdom, then I'm going to say to you, the scriptures guarantee you fear not, brothers and sisters. No matter what happens, fear not. And then finally, if we go to Luke ten nineteen, Behold, I give unto you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. As a matter of fact, I looked up the two words, I give. Those two words in succession, one right after another, only appear about five times in the New Testament in terms of when Jesus said them. And of the times where he's talking about what he gives us, there's only three scriptures that talk about things that Jesus gives us. These are the only three, and they are very encouraging. First of all, he says, I give you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions, and nothing is going to hurt you. Oh, well, that was just for the Christians 2,000 years ago. No, 
That's for us today. That's for us going to through the tribulation. Then you go to John 10, 28. And here it is. I give unto them eternal life that they should never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Means if your name is in the book of life, you can't be pulled out of Jesus' hand. You can't lose your salvation if your name is in the book of life. Now, that's the question. Then you go to John fourteen twenty seven. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He only does three I gives. He gives us the power to tread on serpents and scorpions, and nothing's going to hurt us. He gives us eternal life, and he says, don't let our heart be troubled. So we have to trust him in our death, meaning we trust him with our daily life. We trust him with our eternity. Brothers and sisters, we have to trust him with our death. Now, let's go to what I'm talking about with the mark of the beast. Let me give you a little setup here. These, in my opinion, having memorized the book of Revelation, these, in my opinion, are about the scariest verses in Revelation. Dale Carnegie said, ask yourself what's the worst thing can happen, accept it, and try to improve on it. This is about the worst thing that can possibly happen with those things that are coming. Revelation 13, 5. And there was given him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. That's really, really big. We're going to spend the next little bit on just talking about that. A mouth speaking great things. See, right now we have some of the greatest preachers behind some of the greatest pulpits in all history. Some of those preachers are speaking some really, really powerful things. They know the Bible really, really well. And many of them are doing a fantastic job. But this guy is going to beat us all. That's what it's saying. Because God gives him a mouth. Now, what does he do with that mouth? Well, he destroys the Christians. That's what it's saying. Here we go. A mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And oh, listen to this. And power is given him to continue 42 months. That's the last three and a half years of the seven-year tribulation. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy. That's attacking God. Blasphemy against God. To blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and then the dwell in heaven. That means basically everybody, anybody in the Bible, anybody has anything to do with the Bible, anything that likes the Bible, likes Jesus, goes to church, anything, anything to do with God, this guy is going to be able to tear it up with his words. And here's proof. And it was given to him to make war with the saints. Now, is this a bullet war or is this a war of words? Well, he just said he was given a mouth speaking great things. It didn't say he was given uh, nuclear weapons to destroy. He, he was talking about a mouth. Ask yourself this. What destroys more people, nuclear weapons or the words that we say? The words we say throughout history easily have destroyed more people than any knife or gun or bullet or fantastic weapon. Words are deadly. It was given to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds, tongues, and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Now, let me summarize what that's saying. Then we'll get into the next part of it. So this beast... This man that is going to be the most handsome, most eloquent speaking, most cunning, unbelievable intelligence, he is going to be the best of the best, best, best. 
if you were to put him next to Jesus, just in the natural, in terms of flesh, would the flesh of the beast be able to out-talk Jesus of the flesh? Yeah, that's what he's saying. See, because Jesus was, he openly said he was a comely man. Okay, in other words, he's not beautifully. He wasn't handsome. People that have had visions or places or times where they saw Jesus, they say he's just as common looking guy as anybody you've ever seen. Nothing special. Some people call him the Antichrist. Oh, he's going to be special. See, he's going to be the flesh that everybody wants. Everybody wants to be good looking, whether it's male or female. We want to be successful and well-liked. All of those fleshy things, this guy is going to be the epitome of them. He's going to have a mouth speaking great things. He's going to talk bad about Jesus, about God, about Christians, about the church. And he is going to say it with eloquence like we've never heard in our life. Like they said about Jesus, no man ever talked like this. Well, this guy's going to talk like this only a whole lot better in terms of the flesh. Now, Jesus talked in terms of the spirit, you understand. So Jesus definitely is more powerful and better than the beast, but he didn't talk in the flesh. He talked in the spirit. This guy, this beast, he's going to talk in the flesh. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. And in other way, he takes over the whole world. Everybody whose name is not in the book of life will worship him. And how many people is that? Right now, I heard it once said that all of the buildings that are called churches in, in America, if one Sunday everybody that was a Christian decided to go to church, I've heard it said that only 5% of them could physically fit into a building. That means that even in America, there's a very small percentage of those people whose names are really written in the book of life. That means that most people around the globe, especially those outside of America, most of them are going to take that mark. They're going to buy into it. They're going to swallow hook, line, sinker, and the rowboat, man. They're going to, they will go along with it. And I don't like this verse. I'll tell you right up front. I didn't write it. <laughs> Jesus were to tell me, <laughs> ask me my opinion, and he hasn't. I'd say, no, 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 don't do it this way. So, I, so I'm just telling you right in advance. I don't like it. But I'm not the guy that wrote it. I'm just delivery boy here. So I'm going to tell you what it says. And again, you're probably not going to like it either. So we're at Revelation 13, 9 and 10. If any man have an ear, let him hear. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. What's that saying? He that leadeth into captivity, that means he that turns people over to the beast or over to the new world order shall then also be turned over to the New World Order. He that causes people to go into the FEMA barbed wire prison camps will himself also be sent into the FEMA barbed wire prison camps. Now, that's not the worst part. Here's the worst part. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. It's saying all these Christians in America that got them shooting horns, they are not to turn them against the beast or the New World Order or his servants. In other words, he's saying that when they come after us, brothers and sisters, we can run, we can hide, but we are not to fight against them. What? I said I didn't like it, and you wouldn't like it. Because, you know, we, we want to stand up. We will pull our shooting arms out and say, mm -mm, this, uh, this gun is has got Jesus' name on it, and he serves Jesus. Then the very last part. Here's the patience and faith of the saints. Now, patience in our vernacular means uh, let the light change. Don't rev your motor. Uh, don't do anything about that yet. Just just hold on. Patience means maybe do nothing. But in Revelation, 
and this is in Revelation, the definition of patience is don't quit Jesus. So when it says, here's the patience and faith of the saints, he's saying, here's the time when my people must not quit me. They must not walk away from me. October 4, 5, and 6, it's the Understanding End Times Conference, Living Word Fellowship, Evansville, Indiana. Friday evening, 6.30, I'll speak on my seven seals, seven trumpets, seven vials chart. Saturday morning, 10 a.m., I'll speak on my feast and revelation prophecies chart. Saturday evening, 5 p.m., Leslie will speak on the Kundalini Spirit. Sunday morning at 10 a.m., I'll take half the time with Miss the Mark, my new book, and Leslie will take the rest of it. As you know, I'm called to build an end-time army of prophecy teachers working miracles. I want you to come so I can lay hands on you and anoint you for you to receive two anointings. The spirit of revelation as I received it when I memorized the book of Revelation. Two, to work in sevenfold miracles when the judgment arrives. The room only holds 350 people and the church is probably going to take from 100 to 150 of them, so it will fill quickly. I suggest you do the $25 registration quickly at endtimesconference.com $25 registration at endtimesconference.com October 4, 5, and 6 Understanding End Times Conference Living Word Fellowship Evansville, Indiana See you there!